Making a living from the arts isn't always easy. Quite a few people manage it, but many don't, even if it's their dearest wish. If you're looking for a tricky and potentially triggering topic, monetizing art has got to be up there. So, in the spirit of Emotipod 2 Creative Blocks, let's talk about it and see if we can shed any light on the issue. I'm Frances Butt. And once again, with the help of my wonderful friends, we're going to hear stories, words of encouragement, and maybe a few helpful strategies. Now, I'm not going to make any bogus promises to you that after listening to this, you'll be able to make half a million in the next six months or anything like that. I mean, if you do, fantastic. And please let me know how you did it. But let's keep it real. Let's look into the business of making a business from your art. It might not be possible but it might be possible. I guess the first and most important question to ask is, why did you go into your chosen art form in the first place? If it was to get rich, I'd be surprised. If making money was your primary motivation, you'd have gone into investment banking or property development or something. So let's take it as read that you love what you do, it nourishes your soul and brings you joy. But can you bring money into the mix? And if you could but you're not, what might be getting in the way of that? Later on, I'll be talking about this to an expert. But first, let's hear some different perspectives from a few other friends, starting with my lovely sister, cellist Tirka Linneman. Early in her career, the ability to make money from her art was tied up with her identity as a professional and the sense of satisfaction, success and recognition that come with being paid for doing something well. I was enormously proud of it yeah, because rightly so. you, you only had, when you were living in Manchester, you only had to say Halle and, you know, people, you know, were wowed and it was a lovely feeling. Blues and art it lovely. was a lovely feeling. Oh, good. So from, yeah, so I was enormously proud of that. My identity, yes, I would say that was a massive part. Well, not being a professional, being a cellist and being um, in other people's eyes, you know, I'd arrived. I felt an up there cellist. Yeah. An up there cellist. I'd arrived. Yeah. I felt I'd arrived. Brilliant. I remember th- I remember thinking and feeling Brilliant. I'd arrived. So great. So great. Yeah. So how was the loss, the sense of there was there a sense of loss when you quit and, and you went to have a family and raise your yeah. family? But did you feel that sense of loss of, of that professional status? There wasn't when the children were very little, mm. but it's it came flooding back um when the youngest was Three or four, four. Oh, so quite four. Mm. Yes, it absolutely flooded back. Oh, interesting that it suddenly yeah. hit you later. Yeah, it really hit me. Wow. Yeah, really hit wow. me. And then having come back, I so say you. I mean, you sold your cello. I mean, it was you know seriously final that when you came back many years later and mm. and bought a cello again and uh, started playing in this orchestra in Exeter. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what you? Yeah. What was important to me was that I was playing my cello. I was oh, of just course. really, really thrilled to be playing orchestral music again. So ultimately, playing was the most important thing for Tierka, paid or not. And this is so important. Being paid for your art is, of course, rewarding, but it's not a substitute for the reward of just doing it. But it is a complicated issue. Here's guitarist Knut Stuver. 
yeah, as you, as you say, there's fantastically good people who mm. don't make any money from it, who have other jobs mm. and who are fantastic at it, who are, who are better than, than people who earn, earn money from it. I mean, there's, there's money, it's making money from it. It's partly, partly luck, I think. And it's, okay. it's kind of, you also depend on other, other people. You know, say you're playing in a band where somebody else does the running and then you just benefit from their promotion. Mm. So, I mean, what do you mean by professional? Do you mean the standard or, or do you mean mean making money? Because oh. there's, there's people who kind of make good money who are kind of of a lesser standard than some people who For don't sure. make anything. We see it all the time. Yeah. And that's, um. uh, you know, what's, uh, what's the guitarist without a girlfriend? Homeless, you know. That would... <laughs> <laughs> and that's another important distinction to make, that remuneration doesn't necessarily correlate to talent or skill. I mean, I, I totally know that feeling kind of inferior because you're not earning earning yeah. as much money. I, I can. It's a little niggle somewhere. I can relate to that, and it's it's a, it's a shame, really. That's not really what it should be about. And it's kind of, I mean, do you judge other people like that? I don't. Mm. But I kind of I do it with myself to to a degree, and it's should just enjoy what we're doing. Knut is right. We do tend to judge ourselves far more harshly around this issue than we do others. And a lot of it is to do with promotion. Mm. You know, just with singers, you know, there's the ones who kind of have the most success are often the people who are kind of do the best promotion. Mm. And, yeah. and, and like, well, basically it's buying into that thing where if you don't make money, you're worthless. Well, I mean, in, in terms of this society, it's money. So that's yep. all it is. If you if you make money, you're you're successful, and that's why a footballer earns a thousand times more than some nurse. No, <laughs> no, because it's a higher commodity because it generates more wealth, and that's that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so, and if you if you do that, then then you become a god. Okay. Isn't isn't it of a sort? This is a byproduct of the free market, free enterprise economy that so many of us live in. If it's the norm that one's sense of worth is inseparable from making good money, the inevitable flip side is that not making good money can bring our old friend shame into things. But here's a question. How much money is good money? Or just enough money? Who gets to say? But certainly living on or below the breadline makes it more difficult to do many artistic things because many of them incur a cost. And you need a reasonable income from somewhere. But for music producer Amos Childs, there isn't the stigma there might once have been about subsidising his art. I think, it's, I think it's probably not even really a stigma anymore, to be honest. No, and, good, unless good. it's certain very judgmental circles or whatever. But mm. I think just because of the nature of how everything is now and how hard it is to make a living just doing music. Yeah. And also how much things like Twitter and stuff have made it more easy to see people be transparent about their own situations and stuff. So pretty much everyone's got a day job. And mm -hmm. if you haven't got a day job, it's probably because you've got money from your family, you know, and mm -hmm. everyone knows that now, unless you're really doing incredibly well. I mean, most people I know have got day jobs. Almost everyone I know has got a day job. Lots of people I know have a job for a bit and then have some money and then they'll get some gigs and they can just do the gigs for a bit. Yeah. I asked jeweller Katie Bird about going for the day job option. If you had to, you know, go and get a part-time job or something, would you be all right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would. I yeah. would go and do it, but I would hate every single minute Aww. of it. I really would. 
having been self-employed for, what, 25 years now? Mm. I'm just like, I don't think I could actually work for anyone else. Yeah. I don't think they'd want me either. <laughs> well, that's a I'm, motivator. I'm, I'm very much more opinionated than I was back then. Oh, so. yeah, that's, that also <laughs> yeah. happens. But, yeah, so you... Yeah, you reach a point where it, it, you're so motivated to not have to work for anyone else yeah, that you'll make absolutely. it work somehow. Oh yeah. It's so that like, is a that's that's a lesson. Yes, yeah. I'll do what it takes. Definitely. You can just hear that determination to make it work. And we're back to our series theme of how much do you really want it, aren't we here? And I had so many people saying, Well, I can't make money from making jewellery. Oh, okay, you were told that. Oh yeah. They love to tell you that. Oh, God, yeah. It's just like, when are you going to get a proper job? You know, it's just like, this is my proper job, (laughs) you know. And, yeah, it's hard work and you have to keep the momentum going. Um, But if you're charging correctly and you're getting enough work in, then you'll get to the point. I'm still working to that point to get to be completely self-sufficient. When you started, did you have a um, a pot from a, something? I had quite a bit of savings. Yeah, so you <laughs> so, were, yeah. yeah. So you set up out of your savings, yeah. your investment, investing in materials yeah. and, and yeah, tools and things. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you needed your nest egg and, to, and to start. And living expenses as well. And co- the COVID sort of period was mixed because I did get a grant, which was nice, okay. from Goldsmiths. Yeah which kept me going for a bit. And then I had lots and lots of work in. So mm. it just tied... And obviously, you're not going out anywhere, so you're not spending very much money yeah. on your materials. And not yes. doing, you're not doing fairs, you're not doing anything. So yeah. there's no outgoings that way either. Yeah. Well, um, well done for getting through that, because yeah. there, there are artists I know who had no work. And performing well, yeah, artists, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's tough times. So. Absolutely. No, well done. I mean, luckily for me, I just kept sort of putting stuff out on, you know, Instagram and also repeat customers came back and said, that's my 50th birthday this year and I'm not going away now, so I'm going to spend loads of money on myself. (laughs) It's just like a brilliant idea. Yeah, silver lining. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Or gold. (laughs) Now it's time to hear from university lecturer and money mindset coach Rushana Huzainova. There's a bit of dropout in this Zoom recording, so bear with us. But I opened our conversation with the plaintive cry, I'll never make any money out of this. What are your thoughts? Well, this is really interesting. A real thing a lot of us uh, feel, and especially a lot of us who decided to pursue their calling, especially in the arts um, area. Mm. And it's also a classical limiting belief in a way. So... We call it limiting beliefs. It's basically something that you believe to be true. And that's in a way, in reality, then holds us back in terms of achieving amazing things. So that's that's what limiting belief is. And uh, it's interesting to really identify where it's coming from. Ah. First step, we're looking sort of at the past experiences. Right. Maybe it was something that you were, you know, brought up with mm. your past would say something like, oh, you have to uh, become one of those respectable professions yeah. <laughs> living, right? Yeah. And and all these art-related things may not be a respectable way of making money, or you may not be able to make money. No one will pay for this, something like this. Right. So as then, as we grow up, we kind of tend to absorb this and hold them as our beliefs. 
Okay. So the problem with beliefs is that then they they subconscious. So it's really you you may not even know that you have that belief. Mm. But then on a conscious reality level, they will then in a way dictate how we how we behave and what we can achieve. Right. So just looking at the past experiences, identifying where that belief is coming from is is a first step to to really resolving that. Of course, limiting beliefs aren't the only reason for not being able to make money from art. But the old cliche is true, like so many cliches. If you believe you can't, you're right. So if you are harbouring untrue, unnecessary, unhelpful ideas picked up from wherever and internalised, could they be getting in your way? And if so, how do you change that? Just making it a conscious thing, first of all. Secondly, if, is there any, are there any stories behind it? Are there any narratives behind it? So it, could it be that, you know, in the past you've observed someone, maybe in your family, trying to live a creative life yeah. and if they weren't successful financially or, you know, they weren't able to make any money. Mm. And so it could be that that story, you internalized it. And an example I wanted to share with you. So just recently I was working with uh, uh, one of my clients and it was around actually charging money. Mm-hmm. She felt like she had to justify the price for her sessions. And she's a um, psychotherapist and really experienced yeah. with a lot of qualifications. And we got to the bottom of it. And she said, well, I was brought up in this Christian mindset where you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we we're just discussing that somehow love yourself part was diminished in the context, but the love the neighbor part was really amplified and emphasized. Yes, you give whether you receive or not. Yeah, giving is more important than receiving. That's a very Christian ethic, really, I think. And and that's the same with a lot of religions yeah. and lots of philosophies. Yeah. You have to almost prioritize others and giving for the love of it, as, as you mentioned earlier. Mm. But when it comes to taking care of yourself, we almost forget, mm. deprioritize it. I think this makes me think about motherhood, early motherhood, where you completely exhaust yourself because <laughs> you think you've got to give everything you have to this these babies uh, and you forget that unless you've looked after yourself first, it's not going to work. <laughs> and that there is a saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. That's a good one. We like yeah. that one. Yeah. So that's that's dealing with our where the beliefs are coming from. Mm. Now, shifting to the present time. So... What is it that, you know, around us that you can, you can work with? So first of all, is it's, it's really a balance of giving and receiving. So if you think about earning money from whatever you find enjoyable, how is your balance? I mean, we're so, sometimes we're, we're just happy to give, but then when it comes to receiving, we feel really uncomfortable. Mm. And asking is a problem. So asking for payment for what you do seems to be a huge problem for many artists, and I'm certainly been one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, putting a value on what you do and what that value is, oh, my God, that's huge. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. when it comes to asking for money or d- discussing the, the price, uh, yeah. the payment, mm. yeah, a lot of people feel really uncomfortable mm. because inside they're uncomfortable receiving and perhaps they don't feel like uh, their work is worth the money or there are other kind of underlying beliefs so 
Francis, so how do you feel, for example, about receiving such a little thing as compliment? Oh, that's okay. I'm good with that. I've got used to that. Yeah, I've got over that one. <laughs> well done. Yeah. We're very often, though, we feel really uncomfortable. Oh, gosh, for years I would squirm, absolutely. But to stand there and say thank you, yeah, I remember it being absolutely torture, which is so strange, isn't it? You can't be thanked for something you've given. That's really strange. Absolutely. We kind of want it and then we don't want it. Aren't we odd? Yeah. <laughs> yes, isn't it? But maybe subconsciously you, you may feel as if you have to give something in return and that makes you feel uncomfortable. Or is it acknowledging that you are indeed looking really well today? Or, you know, that dress is making you look fantastic. Yes. And also um, that we don't deserve. This is the thing that we don't deserve. You mentioned that already, that we feel we don't deserve X, either the compliment or enough money to make a living from or also that our artistic creation should be for the love of it making money is somehow grubby to to put the two together and that's another connection I think and maybe a belief and it's a massive one as well so right. what I'd like to bring in to this uh, conversation is is something that's coming from Japan and there is a concept called ikigai ikigai yeah so basically it says that to live your higher purpose, to, to really live the full, uh, the life to the fullest of potential, there are four things that must come together. Okay. So one is that you do something that you're really, really good at. Mm. So it's just, you know, a talent, a natural skill. And there could be several things that you're good at. It could be just one. And it could be something that you're exceptionally good at or just, just better than average population. Okay. That's one. So second thing is that you, it's something that you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And when I was thinking about this, I remembered there's a movie called Center Stage. It's about dancers and ballet um, performance. Mm -hmm. And so there was this one character who was exceptionally good at ballet technique. And in a way, she was pursuing that because, her, because of her mom's failed dreams, because she didn't have the ability or the... Oh. Uh -huh. But her heart wasn't in it. Mm. So it could be that you've got this, this talent or this amazing skill or aptitude, but uh, you just don't enjoy it. And you don't love it. Yeah, you need to love it. Yeah. Absolutely. So it has to be something that you love. Mm. Right. What you love is not the same thing as what you're good at necessarily. And so that's the two. The third thing is coming from actually making money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's fine. So remember that all things coming together contribute to living. It is, it is permitted. <laughs> yeah. Permitted is another one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the final thing is something that brings value. So now value can be ah. totally different. It could be something that's saving life, improving society, life of society or your community, or mm. could be something quite small, mm. just contributing to discussions around something meaningful to your really small community of maybe five members. Oh. It could be massive, it could be really small, it could be really direct or indirect, and that's absolutely okay. fine as well. Mm. So when these four things come together, then that means you, you, you found your calling. And it's almost promoted, not just permitted, it's almost promoted that you do something that you're good at, you enjoy, and you receive money for it. Benefiting from the thing that you bring of value to the world. That makes good sense, actually. 
Absolutely. Your creative practice doesn't need to bring world peace, win a Nobel Prize or make a billion quid to have these four ingredients of Ikigai. What you love, what you're good at, what brings value of some sort, and what you're paid for or rewarded for. And another aspect to this around giving yourself permission to charge money mm-hmm. is that if you're comfortable when you accumulate certain amount of wealth or you know, if you're financially free, yeah, you don't need to worry basically about money coming in. And if you allow yourself to receive money, yeah. then you're in a better place to produce even better product. You don't worry about that. You know, mm. you're filled with the energy of your, your creative energy. And then if you if you're wealthy, imagine if you're a wealthy business or artist, amount of help, support, charitable giving you can make, or even lobbying, you know, you can contribute to really meaningful causes. It opens up your options a lot, doesn't it? And you can promote artistic causes, helping young artists, promoting these interesting things and helping younger generation, which perhaps would have been much more difficult if you simply didn't have the money to, yeah. to do that in yeah. the first place. Yeah, I guess that the question is, how much money is enough money? That's another part of this. If you have things like socialist principles, egalitarian principles, where to have more than the person next to you, it seems unfair. So then you become a bit tortured about receiving possibly more or having. But what's enough? What What's enough for you, I guess, is the point. What do you need to do what you want to do and to thrive and to shine, I guess? Yes, it's a really good question. And um, it's up to you right so you're absolutely free to have as much money as you like yeah it doesn't need to be loads it needs to be enough yeah well it could be even more than enough so yeah more than enough would be nice yes (laughs) and you have permission to have more than enough I guess from beliefs point of view sometimes you know we can think well there are all these people who don't have clean water to drink or enough food to feed their family how can I be really rolling in cash and having all those amazing yachts and houses and whatever else comes to your mind when you think about comfortable, wealthy living. <laughs> right. Maybe not the yacht, but yeah. yeah. It's little. And you, be, you, yeah. <laughs> but by staying broke, you are not helping the other person who is also broke. Yeah. You can, as we just discussed, initiate all these charitable givings and projects and uh, initiatives to help and support others. Only by becoming comfortable financially yourself. Very helpful. Um, one other thing I wanted to, to mention about this is often when we have any wins, even small wins, mm. we just neglect them. Oh, yeah, yeah just, that's, that's fine. You know, yes. that's just a little something. Thing. Yes. And that's not helping us either. Is yes. It? Yeah. We forget to celebrate. We forget to be grateful. Yeah. And when something not so helpful or negative happens, we'll we'll really be upset, mm. you know, we'll feel bad about ourselves and our effort. Mm. But something good happens, we forget to celebrate. And I say celebrate, I don't mean partying or you know, <laughs> opening a bottle of champagne, but just acknowledging, yes, patting yourself on the back. Yeah. And it's in psychology something called savoring the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's not narcissistic or uh, diva-like to do that. You absolutely have the permission. It's it's your obligation almost. Yeah enjoy little wins and big wins yeah um it's a it's a disrespect to the win i guess to not be grateful for it or to not appreciate it yeah absolutely yeah 
and uh, and just looking for the future. So we, we touched upon this idea of how much how much is enough, how mm-hmm. much do you, how much do you want, and often we don't know, and that's a problem. And that's where our future planning comes into place. Uh-huh. There is a bit of research behind the visualizing part of it. So the bottom line is we need to know what we want and plan for the future. So vision boards, for example, in terms of visualizing is really, really helpful. So first identifying what you want, and uh, you may be familiar with a SMART vision. So SMART is an acronym for a specific, measurable, achievable, and timely. So for example, a goal of earning more money in the future is not SMART because it's not <laughs> It's not timely, etc. Mm-hmm. But earning five thousand pounds of income from this creative uh, endeavor or this by March is quite specific. It's measurable and timely. Mm-hmm. So, really getting to know yourself, knowing what you want, and setting these ambitious but realistic goals, and then you can start figuring out how to how to achieve that. Yes, absolutely. And that's sort of uh, one of the final steps in breaking it down into sizable chunks and blocking them into diary, specific doing the actual specific actions and Mm. steps. One thing I wanted to highlight, though, about ambitious but realistic. So our brain is very an interesting machine, I would say. (laughs) So if at the moment all you earn is uh, £20,000 a year, then if you set a goal of earning £2 your brain will go... Yeah, ignore that. That's absolutely possible. Uh, yep. But likewise, if you say, I want to earn 22,000 next year, that's just really not ambitious enough. Mm. It has to be something that feels like a stretch, but still feels possible on some level. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's ambitious, but realistic. SMART is a very handy acronym. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and having a time limit. Nebulous dreams don't get you far, but the smart thing helps make them solid, specific, and actionable. So another thing that we touched upon is uh, the idea of permission to be visible and permission to be successful. Yes. Again, there may be a lot of narratives behind being successful or not permitting yourself to be successful. Mm. And we have a lot of limiting beliefs again. So, for example, the one I had and I had to work on was you're either successful and rich, and whatever rich means to you, it's very individual. Yes. Or you have a happy, harmonious family and happy kids. Oh, you can't have both. Wow. Oh, for people, you can have both. This was a belief. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, for example, just a simple thing is, I think it was a case of one of my kids was uh, poorly and mm. I was deciding whether I should take them to A&E oh. on that night. And it just hit me. It was just that moment. So I thought, oh my God, thank goodness. I don't need to worry about paying for taxi. I can just order taxi and okay. take A&E if I need to. Okay. And somehow in my mind that this association happened. Okay. There's nothing common and it's not either or. You can absolutely be financially free and comfortable and have healthy and happy f- kids. And if yeah. it happens that there are some health issues, being financially free and wealthy will just, yeah. you know, make it more easier process. That's brilliant. I think this is a fantastic example that you just told of what that wealth means. What is wealth? That is wealth. It doesn't need to be a yacht. Having a taxi to take your child to hospital is wealth and so, and that that is enough to have that kind of 
freedom to make a choice like that. That's brilliant. That is absolute riches. Very, very helpful because, of course, as you say, each person's idea about what they need, what they want is going to be such an individual thing and only they can figure that out for themselves. But these are good tools. These are great tools to help with that. Again, it's very individual, as you said. Absolutely mm. agree with that. For someone, you know, just having designer handbags and very expensive cars is for them. Yeah. For someone, it could be not having to go through the, the sale all the time and just mm-hmm. buy something that they want. Yes. Absolutely individual yeah. and a wealthy, successful, happy business owner or person or artist mm. don't need to look a certain way. Yeah. You know, they could be wearing secondhand clothes yeah. if it's what they enjoy. If you're that kind of person, there's great kudos in being thrifty these days. But you get to choose your targets. That's the point. And it's lovely also to be able to just say, I love uh, money. Controversial. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. I actually love friendships and family and, you know, being helpful to people. Yeah. But money helps you do that, right? Absolutely. Yes. It's not either or. But that's my deep cultural beliefs, isn't it? Money is the root of all evil and blah, 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 blah. It's what you use it for. Of course it is. Exactly. So if you want to work or resolve your limiting beliefs, there are a few things that you can do. So first is bring them up to the surface of your conscious. Mm. Uh, write them down. So for example, money is the root of all evil. Right. Then the next step is rephrase them into something helpful. Mm. So for example, you can... If we look at the, the belief being money's root of all evil, yeah. you can rewrite it by saying, actually, money helps me achieve some meaningful goals in my mm. life. Mm. And you just list them all, rewrite them, maybe write them down a few times, put them somewhere where you can see them and slightly observe the shifts happening in your, you know, the way you're thinking. Money is the man-made tool for getting stuff we need. And if money's just a tool, one of the main tools for practical living, then it's got to be good to get familiar with it, comfortable around it, and to practice all the ways there are of using it and managing it. My husband Bill's parents had a market store, so he learned the practical ins and outs of money from a very young age. If you didn't, and if, like me, you don't feel that you're very good with money, It's common to feel ashamed and easy to become avoidant. But it's never too late to start learning and anyone can get better at money, including you, including me. And speaking of Bill, something he often says is that a deal isn't a good deal unless both parties, or all parties, are happy. That's good ethical business. I love this concept. Not ripping anyone off, not being ripped off, A good balance of honest work, fairly rewarded. But when I dug a little deeper into Ikigai, I found something more about the remuneration side of things. It inevitably includes what other people are willing to pay. And realistically, those sums might not add up to a salary or a career. For example, I know someone who's an incredible knitter, but quality yarn is too expensive and hand-knitting too time-consuming to make a living out of high-quality knits. But that shouldn't mean don't bother knitting. So it's important to remember that reward isn't only monetary. As Roshana said, it doesn't matter if it benefits many people, or just a handful, or just your own well-being. If you're doing something that has value, 
that's plenty. It can be fine to get another job, full or part-time. It can take the pressure off you, support you and even subsidise your art so that you can just enjoy it. It can't be good to put so much hope into earning a living from your creativity that you no longer feel the benefits or joy of doing it anymore. Whatever you decide to create the best life for yourself and bring your gifts and talents to the world will be the right decision for you. And that decision may change, and that's fine too. Whatever you do, look after yourself. And that includes welcoming money. In the next episode of Emotipod, we'll look into the often painful topic of criticism. Everyone's a critic, and we tend to be our own worst. Until then, keep doing what you love doing because you love it. You need no other reason.